I, I had a conversation years ago with uh, Mo Anderson after she taught Quantum Leap, which some of this content is in, and she said, I thought I'd get <clears throat> to 70 years old and everything would get easier, and I realized it doesn't. This journey of, of mastering everything and, and challenges does not stop until we are no longer here. Welcome to the Bosley Real Estate Podcast, your guide in creating wealth, leaving a legacy, and winning in real estate. Now, here is your host, Rick Bosley. Hello, everyone, and thank you for being here. This is Rick Bosley with the Bosley Real Estate Podcast. I appreciate your time that you're putting this podcast into your ears, whether you're driving at the gym or taking some time to uh, grow your mindset and you have a pen and paper, I appreciate that you're here. If you like what you hear, do me a favor and go ahead and subscribe or comment to whatever method that you're listening this to. And uh, you're going to notice that episodes two through seven are all around the six personal perspectives. So this is a course that was written by Keller Williams University, which is the, the division of Keller Williams around the training company. We're the number one training in the world in that Hall of Fame. And I have um, earned the, the opportunity to be a national trainer and speaker for them as an approved trainer. So the six personal perspectives, we're going to go into it. I've got six different interviews with some high, high-end top professionals from across the country doing some really uh, amazing things, and we're going to have one episode with an interview for each one. So let's dive right into it right now, and we're going to do a little bit of a preface with a question for you, and that's, what is it that differentiates those who achieve at the highest level from those who don't seem to accomplish as much? We always hear that, you know, everyone puts their pants on two legs at a time. We all have 24 hours in a day, yet we have different people who, like, you know, Jeff Bezos or Bill Gates or, um, you know, anyone else who's accomplishing at a high, high level and, and those who don't. Now, yes, there's some different opportunities and circumstances and, and inheriting money and, and, and relationships. Yet at the end of the day, growth comes from within. And it's defined as the six personal perspectives. And there's three bubbles that you're going to think about and look at when you think about the six personal perspectives, and that's your mindset your approach to your life, and your attitude. Over the next six episodes of this podcast, we're going to dive in and interview some individuals in the industry who are completing this uh, and accomplishing this at a high level. The first one is going to be talking about committing to self-mastery. Now, we've heard about mastery being 10,000 hours, right? You need 10,000 hours in a certain subject or area in order to master that, whether you're Jimmy Hendrix on the guitar, whether you're an athlete who started at a very young age. Yet we're going to talk about committing to self-mastery. Because frankly, if we don't know how we operate, if we don't know what our God-given talents and strengths are, and, and frankly, the opposite of that, of what our opposite or our constant challenges, we're not going to be able to master a subject unless we've mastered ourselves. So I want you to ask you, have you mastered yourself? Do you know what really holds you back? Are you a risk taker? And that can be a great thing or not so great thing, depending on the circumstances. We're going to dive into the 80-20 principle. This is also known as the Pareto's principle. We'll dive into that. Uh, you're going to focus on those big rocks. You're going to focus on the things that matter most. I'll tell you, everyone has the same 24 hours, yet the difference is those who accomplish a lot versus those who don't are what we do within those 24 hours. And that's going to be the top 20%, the things that have the greatest impact. We're going to talk about moving from E to P, which is entrepreneurial thinking and doing, to purposeful thinking and doing. It's very easy to stay in your comfort zone, to be complacent. And a lot of people go through life, go through the motions, and they do what's comfortable and comes natural to them. And others will look and say, I've hit a ceiling. 
And maybe you're here, you've hit a ceiling in your certain career or your business or your income or your health or your relationship. And when you get purposeful, you look for other people, other people who are bigger, faster, stronger. You look for models, you look for systems, you look for mentors, and you say, I've got to do something different. Therefore, I'm going to apply these things and I'm going to break through my ceiling of achievement. So that's moving from E to P. The next episode is step four, which is make learning based a foundation part of your action plan. It says you're willing to be taught. You're always going to pursue learning. That you're going you're gonna to focus that your business grows to the extent that you do. So you're going to keep that growth mind and that growth mindset uh, constantly in your business plan. The step five is removing your limiting beliefs. So much of society tells us what we can't do. It puts us in a box. Maybe yourself, you've had some, whether you you're, had your upbringing. Uh, maybe you've heard some other people. Maybe you, you've accomplished something once or you, you did an investment once and you had some bad tenants. I had a conversation yesterday at a friend of ours and his birthday party and a couple of attorneys were there and they had, they had some tenants from, uh, they, that weren't so easy. They wrecked the house. They trashed it. And that sort of limiting belief that says all tenants are this way has limited them in their investment and growth opportunity. And do they exist? Absolutely, they exist. And is the opposite true? Absolutely. So removing those limiting beliefs because it is holding you back. And you unlimit your thinking and you open up your world of success. And the final one is be accountable. You be accountable. You know, every high thinker, uh, high achiever, they have some sort of accountability. Yet at the end of the day, no one person can hold you accountable if you are not an accountable person. An athlete, you know, we, we've heard of what's happening in the NFL. Let's use Antonio Brown. So I'm in the fall of 2019 right now, and, and he left the, uh, the Steelers with a not-so-great light on him. And he went over to the Oakland Raiders. Then things were showing up. And he left there, not-so-great. And then he went over to the New England Patriots. He played for one game. He left there. At a certain point, you have to be accountable. You have to look at your GMs and your coaches, and you say, it's mine. I own it. It's on me, and it's up to you to change. So those are going to be the next six steps in the next six episodes, talking to people who are mastering and doing this at a high level. So this is that intro there. Uh, let's dive into it here real fast, and we're going to go right into committing to self-mastery. Now, as we do this, I've got a very special guest with Ashley Lunn. Uh, you're going to hear the episode of who Ashley is, where she came from. She is my personal coach, so she holds me accountable to achieving uh, the results and the goals that I have. So I'm not going to go into it much further. I'm going to let Ashley do the conversation. Uh, without further ado, here we go. Thanks so much. Okay, so I'm here with Ashley Lunn, and Ashley is from the other side of the U.S., so we are officially a national a podcast here and Ashley and I go way back several years. We've gotten closer here these past couple of months as uh, I'm excited and proud to call you my mastery coach. Ashley, thanks for jumping on. It's been fun. It's been fun. Short so, journey so far, but some really good progress. Uh, well, well, thank you for that. I think it is a partnership with that. Um, we're going to be talking about step one to six personal perspectives today, which is committing to self-mastery. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. However, for people who might not know who you are, can you give us a little bit of a resume that way? If people um, heard of your name, but not sure exactly who you are or why you're valid, can you, can you brag on yourself a little bit? <laughs> sure. Um, well, thanks, first of all, for, for inviting me to do this with you. Uh, it's exciting. We're talking about one of my favorite topics Keller Williams has taught me, which is the six personal perspectives. Uh, and my first introduction to this uh, content was in 2005 when I joined the company. I became a team leader 
in 2005 and I'm one of those rare people who survived the role for 10 years and in the same market center became the operating partner uh, in 2015. Were you in the same market center for 10 years? Yes, sir. Uh, well, I'm there now still today, sitting there right this second, uh, 14 years later. 14 years later. So, yeah, just a uh, role change. I think that makes extreme, you extremely valid in the, uh, the the time it takes to pursue mastery. So we're going to get to that. But I didn't know it was all with the same market. So that's fantastic. Okay, so 10 years as a team leader, yeah. then you became the operating principal. What exactly is, is that role? Uh, that role is a lot bigger than I anticipated. I actually thought, the hardest job in the world was the team leader role and that I'd be able to take it easy in the OP role. And that has not been my experience. Um, the OP is really the place where you have to learn how to truly succeed through other people because everything rises and falls on my shoulders. And at the same time, I don't have the control over uh, doing the things that I think need to be done. I need to have enough influence with my people to make sure the things are done correctly. Uh, so anyway, it, the, the operating partner role is basically the owner of the brokerage. And again, we lead and, and manage the staff so that our agents get taken care of at the highest level. I love it. And I love because there is a lot of misconceptions that OP is almost the, I've made it, let me go punch my ticket uh, and cash in the chips. Yet leadership is one of the most difficult. It's way easier to do things yourself than to lead and motivate and inspire others to do them. A hundred percent accurate. Um, and so a couple years before I became the OP, I was still in the team leader role and I knew um, I wanted to go into the coaching side. Diana Kokoska had been asking me for several years to become a MAPS coach and I finally uh, gave in and have been now a MAPS coach, gosh, I think going on five years. And that has been an incredible journey of, of mastery as well. Well, and you are a student of, of coaching and models and, and Kettle Williams and, and, and things even beyond outside of Kettle Williams as well. Now, let me ask you, you're, you're coaching me as an agent, yet you just gave me a resume of team leader and OP. Tell me about your agent resume. Uh, interestingly enough, I was never in production for anyone other than myself, so my own personal investments. My... Uh, existence prior to Keller Williams was in the title insurance industry. I was a title sales rep. And prior to that, I was in college. So my entire professional real estate life has either been uh, as a title rep or with Keller Williams in a leadership position. Well, I love that. And I think it's one of the things that makes us so much in alignment is, you know, going into leadership so quickly and early on, yet we learn the principles from that 10,000 foot view, which makes them uh, applicable on the, uh, the one foot view. So, so actually, thanks for jumping and, on. And across industries. Well, absolutely, going from title to real estate and, and, and how it all works. So as we go in and talk about committing to self-mastery, uh, mastery is a term that, that I think is, can be thrown around pretty loosely. Um, there's a couple books around it, and we'll touch on those. Yet, if you could define what is mastery, how would you define that term or that phrase? For me, somebody has mastered a subject if they're the go-to expert or are known as the go-to expert in whatever that that subject is. Um, they set the bar for the rest of their industry or their subject matter. So, and I know – oh, go ahead. I was going to say, so ironically, by me going to you as the expert on mastery, are you the mastery of mastery? Can we decide that? <laughs> um, <laughs> I would say in my in my ecosystem, yes. <clears throat> and – 
I don't know that we ever master mastery, especially self-mastery, which we're going to talk about. I believe it's an ongoing process. <clears throat> and I, I had a conversation years ago with uh, Mo Anderson after she taught Quantum Leap, which some of this content is in. And she said, I thought I'd get <clears throat> to 70 years old and everything would get easier. And I realized it doesn't. This journey of, of mastering everything and, and challenges does not stop until we are no longer here. Uh, so I think mastery is a moving target. And yet, if I'm at the top of the game and defining the game, then I would consider myself a master. And, and the go-to expert, it's almost, and you just answered it, you don't realize you've arrived because by the time you arrive, then you're pursuing mastery in something else. Like Mo said, you, you never are finished with the journey. And so you, you mentioned the difference Correct. between mastery and self-mastery, and it, it says in the curriculum, self-mastery is the possession of great knowledge, skills, and habits that make you the master of you. And this is a, this is a, a difficult uh, concept for some people to grasp. What does it mean? What's the difference of self-mastery versus mastery of a task or a sport or a trade? I believe the mastery of a, a task, a sport, or a trade is a heck of a lot easier. Um, the the self-mastery concept, it, it, to me, is all about awareness and first starting with pretty deep self-awareness, which requires you to get pretty vulnerable with yourself. Um, and it is an ongoing, uh, it's an ongoing process that I can start with forming habits, but then also will translate into forming new thought patterns uh, if you if you take it on very seriously. Uh, and even before the habits comes the discipline uh, of knowing. And I'm going to jump right into it because it says when you commit to achieving self-mastery, you know what your goals are. Now, in most coaching companies and most you know businesses, real estate or other, goals are a pretty common concept. That That's not a difficult grasp. Would you agree? No, I would agree from a business perspective, anything that's measurable um, can be a is a goal. At the same time, when it comes to self-mastery, I think um, my my personal mission statement is to create spaces for people to fully self-actualize. So my goal in this lifetime is to fully self-actualize or, or to meet my full potential. Say, say uh, that, that again for me. Create spaces, create spaces for what? Say that again. Create and open spaces for people to fully self-actualize. And so that that's that's pretty profound. Unpack that for me. Uh, so in creating spaces, um, providing spaces for people to grow their awareness around them and and their weaknesses and their strengths, um, requires a lot of courage. It, uh, to create that kind of safe space means you you have to be somewhat without judgment of that other, first of all, of yourself, and then of that other human um, that you're creating that space for. To me, that's, that's my sacred calling on this planet, um, which, by the way, then calls me to, to do the same thing for myself. Right. Um, well, does that it, unpack it enough? It, no, it, it does, because it helps in context. You know, as we've been coaching here for about six, uh, seven months, very quickly, even though we were, we were acquaintances prior, you created a space of trust without judgment. Yeah. And so when I did things or, or sometimes didn't do things, uh, I didn't feel uh, beat up after the call. If anything, it was 
it was uh it's okay i still love you and we'll move forward almost like a parent would to the child well and and that is uh, thank you for saying that and uh, it's gratifying to know you had that experience because i believe if we don't have the opportunity to grow in that kind of relationship or environment we actually won't grow um i think judgment other people's judgments of us our own internal self-judgment actually stymies us more than anything out there um and, and if you show up into an environment where you feel like you have to be something other than you are where's the growth going to happen well and that's the opposite of what we're talking about here it's a self-mastery right? right you're not you're not exactly. being you and so as right. someone's listening to this this podcast this episode here right now and they go okay i, I know my goals and, and it's a very quantifiable business plan i've got a unit and a volume goal fantastic the next thing is knowing your strengths and your weaknesses how would you um just just from that kind of environment we're in right now how would you help someone listen to this to to identify what their strengths and weaknesses are there are so many resources out there tools um like self-assessments uh books obviously podcasts uh i'm probably if i have any OCD dysfunction, it's in the amount of personality tests I take <laughs> to grow my awareness um, on who I am. Because one thing that happens in leadership, and I'm sure as a team leader, you know, you've discovered this, the higher you go up the, the ladder, so to speak, the fewer and fewer people are willing to be very, very brutally honest with you. And so a lot of the self-awareness has to come from self-introspection because just very few people are going to show up and say, hey, this is something you display that's a problem. Um, so I, I have taken every assessment I've ever been exposed to uh, and, and seek them out and then read an amazing amount and, of course, get coached. Uh, most times I have anywhere between three and five coaches actively in my life who are, who are paid to be that mirror and to tell me the hard things. Wow, isn't that funny how we pay someone to tell us what sometimes we're hiding to not realize? Uh, and when we hear it, so long as we're ready to hear it, it's like, yeah, that's true. I get it. Yep. And, and it starts off of going, it's not rocket science. It's it's go seek it. And, and the word commitment shows up of go commit to achieving the best version of yourself. And then once you identify that, how to work with your strengths, weaknesses, would, would you say if and I don't have the answer for this, I'm truly curious on how your take is, that strengths and weaknesses are a born trait, are they a learned trait, combination? If someone takes one of these assessments that tells them a strength finder, and they don't like what they see, and they're in their 30s or they're in their 40s, is that something they can pursue to change, or they have to figure out how to succeed in spite of what yeah. they might not want to see? It's a great question, and I remember... I think it was 2006, I was at a very small Keller Williams event where John Maxwell was speaking. And uh, he was talking about parenting. And then, of course, as he always does, uh, tied it into an impactful story for all of our development. And he said, imagine having uh, a kid, a high schooler, who struggles in math, really, really struggles in math. And you get them a tutor and you know they do extra time every single day and they are able to work on that grade that was a D, and over a year, they can raise it to a C. So you've put your time, your money, uh, probably a lot of stress on that kid to increase their performance in math from a D level to a C level, and likely that's all they have the capacity to become is a C level student in math. Now, if you took the same child and 
the same amount of time, money, effort, and stress and place that in their strength zones, they could go from being a, an A student to being a world-class student in whatever their gift zone was. And his message to us was focus on increasing the impact of your strengths and don't pay much attention to your weaknesses unless they are detrimental in some way. Basically minimize the impact of those. And to me, that was so freeing because I think a lot of my reading up to that point on, on self-help uh, was how do I fix the broken parts of me instead of acknowledging, thanking them, and working more on my strengths. And that is where six personal perspectives came in for me with self-mastery. It was so freeing. I, yeah, I can acknowledge and recognize what my weaknesses are, and now let me put all my energy into maximizing the strengths. But, and I love that, especially as a parent to, to three kids as well, to identify it, because not all of your kids are the same strengths and weaknesses either. Uh, so no. I would, I would let's, let's get some stories to connect these dots a little bit. And if I know you've got hundreds probably for yourself and for your clients. And so if, if you can think of uh, a scenario or a time or a goal that was, you know, a ceiling that just someone or you wasn't able to break through and either you use these concepts of identifying strengths and weaknesses to your favor and, and leveraging out the weaknesses or you didn't and it, it held you back for many years. Can you think of a scenario or story that we can help connect the dots for the audience? All right. My probably favorite and, and at the same time least favorite story um, happened about four years ago and it was a lifetime in the making. I, um, in our industry, we, we see a lot of the big ego, right? Um, real estate agents, brokerage owners who walk with a lot of swagger. And so I, I was very used to that concept. And yet my coach actually made me very aware of the little ego. And this is one of my weaknesses I'm still challenged with. Um, for several years, well, two years, when I first became a MAPS coach, I, I didn't feel like I belonged in a lot of the rooms that I was in. Um, I'd go to events and try to be invisible because I didn't have the confidence that I had. Well, I lost you there a little bit. You said you didn't have the confidence that what? I could. <laughs> Sorry, we're doing a technical difficulty right now. Give me a test, test one, two. Test, test one, two. Okay, I've got you. That was clear. So that you could add value okay. to the conversation. Ashley, I'm having a hard time hearing you. We're not getting you right now. Okay, I'm going to try something else. It's funny, when you do the test, it always sounds clear. Is that it? Keep talking. Okay, it's not my headset. Yep. Uh, try that headset again. I like the headset better, and we're gonna we're gonna work our best to get through it. All right. Is that better? Yeah, I, I like that. Let's roll with it, and we're gonna we're gonna do the best we can. So you had and mentioned you're gonna that. You're going to edit, right? <laughs> I will see how it splices together. You had mentioned that the little ego is a weakness that you had and still struggle with, that sometimes when you were in really powerful rooms with powerful people, you weren't sure how you belonged or what value you could add. Is that summarized pretty well? That's exactly it. And I would shrink. I, I would hide and I'd try to be invisible. And unfortunately, the uh, technical difficulties only got worse from there. We were wrapping up with Ashley, and I do recall that the rest of the interview, essentially what she was sharing was described as a small ego. You, you see, 
oftentimes when we hear about people's ego, we automatically default or de facto do they have a large ego that they uh, it's all about them and they need to be the, the shiniest object in the room. Yet an ego really is thinking about oneself. And having a small ego also uh, can come into play. So she would she'd be invited to these rooms with Gary Keller, the the, the founder and the CEO of Keller Williams, and invited with a, a very small group, elite group. And she often would ask herself, "Why am I in this room? I am not worthy. I am not valid." And she would play small with a small ego. Uh, and she'd sit in the room for sometimes one, two, three, four days at a conference, kind of in the back with sunk in her chair. And when she left, she brought this up to her coach. And she said, I, I just don't feel like I can be myself. And I'm, I'm surrounded by such amazing people who I look up to. And her coach, that's very interesting that you bring that up. Because somebody asked me after the conference, does Ashley think she's better than us? Because she often says nothing, yet I know she has so much to contribute. And one of our belief systems is, is seek first to understand and had she not brought up to her coach about this of going, help me with my self-mastery of feeling small in a room, the conversation and clarity wouldn't be had that the opposite, the other people in the room were thinking that she had an ego of almost self-entitlement or, or, or too good for it. And so no matter what room you're in, you want to make sure that you shine. You want to make sure that, that, that you, you contribute. Uh, oftentimes people are afraid to to do things, you know, such as raise their hand, contribute, ask a question. If we just take it to a social setting, maybe to dance on the dance floor, to do karaoke. So many times in life we go through with two main objectives, to look good and to be right. When I wonder how much of the time that we're focused on looking good and being right, we fail to do something that truly matters or brings joy to us or to others. So Ashley went through with that, that no matter what room she's in, she always looks to contribute, to add value, to learn, and to listen. So that wraps up uh, our conversation with Ashley Allen. She's out of the San Diego area. She's an operating principal and broker owner of a Keller Williams office out there. She's also a fantastic coach and now a friend. So if you want to reach out to her, you'll see her contact information in the show notes. Everyone, this is wrapping up episode two in the first step for six personal perspectives. Please, if you enjoyed, then can keep listening. Do a comment, do a like. It does help. It makes us go viral, and every little bit helps. Trust me. Uh, if, you, if you hear somebody and you're going, you know what, I, I want to share this with a friend, please don't hesitate. Do it right now. Take action. Take mastery of yourself. Uh, if you would like any links or to some self-assessment, um, I'm going to send some show notes to just take a look there, my contact information. I can get you set up and help you identify what are your natural strengths? What are your given talents? Like she talked about with John Maxwell, are you the math student? Or are you the English student? And how can we go from A to extraordinary instead of D to C? We're not in this world to be mediocre. Mediocre actually stands for, uh, ochre is, is a root form of rock and media is the middle. It's the half climbers. It's people when they're climbing them out and they made it up halfway. We were not put in this earth to be mediocre. So let's find out what we are put in this earth to do, where our strengths are, where our weaknesses are, leverage or get assistance for those weaknesses so we don't have to keep being mediocre in that. Go hone in our strengths uh, and do whatever you'd like to achieve. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time for the Bosley Real Estate Podcast. Take care. You've just listened to the Bosley Real Estate Podcast, where we create wealth, leave legacies, and win in real estate. 
Follow and subscribe on social media at tagline Bosley Rick. Thank you for listening.